up, Broncos country? What's up, Broncos country? This is Phil Lindsay. Justin Simmons here. This is Alexander Johnson. Hey, I'm Vaughn Miller, and you're listening to the Neutral Zone. Hello, and thank you for joining us here on the Neutral Zone. I am Phil Milani, joined as always by my trusty sidekick, my partner in crime. Really, the best way to describe this person is my everything. Of course, I'm talking about at Eric Dalala. Phil, thanks for having me on the show today. <laughs> Eric, this is your show. What oh, are you talking about? Thank you. Yeah, That's this kind is your of show. You. This is a very special edition of the Neutral Zone because we are unveiling, awarding, announcing the Zonies. Mm, at long last, Phil. You know the season ended three weeks ago, right? Yeah, well, there was a little bit of news to get to. We had to cover some football stuff here. The Broncos uh, introduced new GM George Payton earlier this week. Got a chance to hear a little bit about his philosophies and how he plans to build a winner in Denver. But Eric, this show, all about the Zonies. Hey, I'm excited, Phil. Let's hand out some awards, shall we? Do you want to tell NZ Nation, maybe if they're not familiar how we got to this point, what the heck a zoni is? I certainly would if I could, but <laughs> you might have to. Sometimes it's a little—it's a little bit confusing how we end up doing things on the show. Uh, I believe somebody emailed and said that we should uh, recap the season by giving out some awards, since the name of the show is the Neutral Zone. They suggested that we call it the Zoni. Yeah, a little bit similar to the Dundees, I think. <laughs> yes, I think so. Yeah, a little bit similar. So hopefully, uh, nobody throws like a coke at us or something while we're doing yeah, this. Exactly. I feel God on this podcast tonight. <laughs> Do you have like a monologue prepared or no or monologue? No? no, I'm not even wearing a tuxedo here, so I don't know what's going on. Um, but we will get to offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, most improved player. Best rookie, uh, comeback player of the year, best play, toughest loss, Eric. That one hurts. And also, uh, who gave the best sound bites? Who who was the best zoomer on the team? Wow. And one more, Phil. I think best take of the year by one. Oh, of best us. take. I'm sorry. I that was a that was a last uh, a late ad here. Best take. And can you describe what that is? Yeah, that's. Uh, I'm going to choose one of your takes that I think was just particularly inspiring from the season, and you're going to choose one of mine, and uh, we're going to share those. Gosh, I'll have to you think got, about You've it. got some time, yeah. I'll have to think about some of your greatest hits. I'm already uh, thinking the second annual Zonies will go better than this one. This is a great. We've started out great, Eric. Let's get to the first award, Eric. <laughs> Offensive player of the year for the Broncos. Mm. Uh, should I just jump into it or let you know some candidates or how do you think? I think just, just jump into it. I think just give us the answer. Got it. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Garrett Bowles, uh, a, a maligned player coming into the season. Um, faced an uphill climb to even stay on the roster in any capacity, I think, uh, or to, you know, to get a contract from an NFL team that was more than a year long and, he just played really well all season, so I think you rarely see a guy flip the switch as quickly as Garrett Bowles did. Uh, he didn't allow a sack, according to Pro Football Focus. Was a second-team All-Pro, the best player on an offensive line that you know was pretty decent toward the end of the season. So, yeah, I'll go with Garrett Bowles, and I don't. I'll, I'll see what you say first, but I don't know that it was particularly close. Yeah, I said Garrett Bowles as well. Uh... Not so much considering everything that he was facing coming into the season, but but more so just simply the way he played. I mean, he was obviously the best uh, player on that Broncos offensive line, anchored that left tackle position, um, and played well enough to earn a contract extension where, you know, heading into the season, declined the fifth-year option. You feel like maybe the world is against you a little bit. Um, and we've known all, so long about his holding penalties and, you know, uh, a lot of talk about him being a bust as a pick and just for him to come out and play the way that he did this year, 
really emerged as one of the top tackles in the game. Not, not just, uh, Hey, this guy, let's keep him around a little bit longer. He emerged as one of the better players at his position in the NFL. Yeah. I think the hope is that he's able to keep that going. That this isn't, isn't just a one year, uh, fluke type deal. Uh, I think his play dating back to the end of 2019 suggests that it's probably here to stay and that he can sustain some really good years here. He is an older player, Phil, you know, he's in his mid to late twenties. So he's not, um, you know, going to be here for 10 more years probably, but certainly can play out this contract and be a, a really good player at that left tackle position. He said he wants to be the best. I mean, that's yeah. his mindset. I mean, that's the way he talks about what he thinks he's capable of, and uh, I agree with you. You know, sometimes I think coaching and stability really makes a difference in how a player plays in the NFL. And we've seen that around the league. I mean, you take a player like Ryan Tannehill, you know, quarterback at Miami, his career is tail spinning. He changes teams and then with the, just a different atmosphere can really blossom into a great quarterback in this league. The similar for the Broncos with Garrett Bowles, not that he switched teams, but just the atmosphere surrounding Bowles completely changed when Mike Munchak came in here, same position coach back-to-back years now for him. All indications are that it's pointing toward a, a third consecutive year with Mike Munchak. That stability and that coaching and that guidance really made the world a difference for Garrett Bowles and, and credit goes to Bowles, but I think that Munchak has a, has a big say in, in how he's ended up playing. No, definitely. I agree. Um, Phil, who would be your, who is your runner up? I think we call this the Swanson award. Kind of <laughs> uh, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Just I, on the edge of. I agree with you. I mean, I, that it's not really close. I, the way I did this was I just looked at position groups and I was like, did any of these guys really shine? Was it particularly close? I would probably have to go with Melvin Gordon. Hmm, that's who I would say as well. Yeah. So this will be a fun show if we just agree with each other the whole time. I do think that uh, the offense did not have a lot of uh, uh, big stars yeah. this the, this last season. It just did it. You know, uh, there are some players who I, at least I have winning other awards here uh, from the offense, but uh, none that were like, whoa, this guy's obviously the best. Yeah. Um, I do think Phil, before the season, we talked about if the Broncos are going to go to the playoffs, if the Broncos are going to have a winning record, Drew Locke has to be the player, the offensive player of the year. He has to be the team MVP. He wasn't. And so I think that's probably, you know, it doesn't mean Drew cannot be that moving forward, but I just think that uh, it's interesting to look back and, and we were pretty clear. He has to be that guy for the Broncos to make the playoffs and it just didn't happen. Yeah. I wouldn't uh, <clears throat> go back and talk too much about what we said preseason because a lot of those <laughs> takes were not good. <laughs> yeah, didn't you, so, said, you said 35 points a game. I think I, think I forgot closer, about some It was closer to 35 points, maybe every two games. Uh, I will say, I do remember going, uh, back to the beginning of the season talking about, okay, in how many of these matchups do you think that Drew Locke will be the better quarterback in? I think we, I think we might've said like 12, 13 or something like that. Yeah. I think and then was there was also one where um, we talked about which games would Drew Locke throw more touchdowns than the opposing quarterback. Yeah. So that didn't quite materialize, but I'm not. I'm not here to bash on Drew Locke. I do think no, that no. Uh, uh, we heard John Elway earlier this week say that he considered this past season Drew Locke's rookie season. So it doesn't really. I mean, this is not meant to be blunt, but it doesn't matter what John Elway thinks at this point. We'll, we'll see what George Payton thinks and what his evaluation is. But but Elway will be a that. sounding board. Payton final say. Elway there as a sounding board and Peyton did reiterate when he met the media earlier this week that uh, it's not just his say he wants it to be the Broncos say meaning that whenever there's a big decision to be made which I think at the quarterback is a big position he hopes that everybody's on the same page about that so and Vic Fangio said okay we want Peyton to go through this with an unbiased eye evaluate it 
And if he has any questions, we can fill in some gaps there, but he does want Peyton's unbiased take. Let's move on to the next award yeah, here, let's do it. Eric, Defensive Player of the Year. I think I'll go first this time. Okay. Yeah, because then you'll probably just copy me, but I'm going to go with Justin Simmons. Okay. Uh, I feel like you're probably going to copy me, but maybe not. I'm going to say, uh, uh, I say Simmons because career high five interceptions for Simmons last season really patrolled that secondary that saw a lot of injured players, a lot of young players playing back there in that secondary. And he was still able to get a career high five interceptions, uh, made his first pro bowl this year, 96 tackles. That was third on the team. You know, one of the knocks on Justin Simmons is that he doesn't like to be physical. He doesn't like to stick his nose in there. But 96 tackles, that was third on the team. And uh, he did have a four, uh, a fumble recovery against the Patriots. So all that being said, I said Justin Simmons. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that it's, again, not close. And it's kind of odd that he didn't earn all pro honors or uh, pro football writers of America honors. Uh, but yeah, he, he played well. He took his game to another level. I thought made more game changing plays this year, Phil, than maybe he did in 2019. Certainly that Dolphins interception, uh, the interception against the Steelers gave the Broncos a chance uh, to stay in that game. So yeah, he took his play to another level and hopefully they'll, they'll find a way to, to work things out here. Yeah. And I think that's going to be a big priority for George Payton. He's going to have to come in and, and assess where the contract talks the negotiations ended last year how they can pick up and maybe having a fresh voice in that negotiating room over the phone over zoom however they're doing it uh hopefully they can figure out a way to get this thing done because when you look at justin simmons he's everything that you would want in an nfl player i mean really great in the community uh, a good leader in the locker room always has a positive outlook on on things doesn't come in and complain even though the entire time he's been in Denver it, it, things have not been exactly what Broncos country has expected you know and he's always had that positive attitude and um, I think that how the Broncos approach this negotiating window that I think other players in the locker room are paying attention to that hey how, how are they handling Justin Simmons here because maybe like a player like Corlin Sutton knows that his deal's coming up in a little bit. How do they handle Justin here? Because I think that a lot of people respect Justin in the locker room and uh, th how the Broncos and George Payton proceed here uh, will be a big indicator to some of the other players. You did mention the all pro team here, uh, Eric, a lot of really good safeties. I will say that I understood how this thing shook out and, and I understand sort of why Justin Simmons was on the outside looking in just because you're talking about Tyron Matthew, Minka Fitzpatrick, Buda Baker. Those guys all had outstanding seasons. And Jamal Adams is ahead of Justin Simmons and he just objectively did not have a season that was good as good. Jesse Bates. Yeah. The second team was a, a Jamal Adams and Jesse Bates. I was speaking more of the first team guys there. But he Jamal didn't Adams, second team. Yeah, he did not get uh, he get he did not get that. Who knows why a, a guy like Jamal Adams pops up there? Maybe it's just name recognition. I mean, maybe yeah. right. I mean, well, and Seattle plays on national television more often than uh, the Broncos do, and so I think that probably some voters maybe you're not exposed to the Broncos as much. I will say the safety position is particularly hard to analyze it's not one of those positions where you could just say this guy had this many tackles this guy had this many interceptions boom he had the better season it's not quite that black and white whereas maybe for a wide receiver or running back or an offensive player it's like that the assignments and the responsibilities are much different I would say that Justin Simmons has a lot of responsibility in that Broncos defense playing under Vic Fangio we know how safeties tend to do a lot in this system yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, like you mentioned, Phil, it will be a priority for the Broncos to figure something out. George Payton has said, we want to draft players and then keep them and get them to second contracts. And I do think, like you said, it'll people will be watching because Cortland can get an extension this, this offseason if they offer him one, he's eligible. And so 
does uh, I'll just in general I'll be interested to see how George Payton handles these contracts and does he instead of letting it get to the franchise tag with some guys do you go ahead and extend a guy like a Cortland Sutton this offseason to make sure that he's uh, around for a few more years and that's particularly interesting since Sutton is coming off of an ACL injury um, but I will I will say the better teams around the league tend to not let contract situations get to the point where it's right up against the deadline and you got to franchise tag them. And, you know, a lot of teams around the NFL, they try to avoid that. So, yeah. Eric, let's move on. Oh, did you have another t- thing you want to say about Simmons? Just with Cortland, I think it could be interesting. Maybe a deal this offseason gives him some assurance coming off an injury, but maybe the Broncos are able to save a little bit where you don't have to pay top wide receiver money. So just something to think about there. I don't know if if Sutton is the kind of guy who's like, oh, I'll take a discount here just because I got hurt. I mean, I think he's very confident in his abilities. Um, it might actually be better for both situa- sides to just say, let's see how you come back from this thing because Sutton probably confident that he's going to come back better than ever. We've seen him post on Instagram that he's already running right now. And for the Broncos – you know, George Payton said that he hasn't done a deep dive on this roster yet, but you imagine that he knows a guy like Cortland Sutton. Especially yeah, it considering expen- how it's expensive. Sutton had one of his best games of his career against the Vikings. I yep. believe he threw like a 40 yard pass or something in that game, right? To Tim Patrick. Yeah. So with that, Eric, let's move to uh, uh, our next category, our next award here. Most improved player. Mm. I don't think this one's particularly close either, Phil. Oh my um, goodness. We're, are we just going to pick the same one for everybody? I guess so. We should have uh, okay. told you. Go ahead. Um, this is a guy they also need to keep around in 2021, but I think Tim Patrick is a clear answer for most improved uh, previous highs in receptions, Phil. He had uh, 39 career receptions for like 520 yards. This year alone, he had 51 catches for 742 yards and a team-high six touchdowns. I mean, he was just – he was reliable. He didn't drop passes. Uh, he played all every game but one and was Drew Locke's favorite target. And, and really, I know Vic Fangio told me, Phil, Tim Patrick was never on the bubble. He was never a bubble guy. He was on the bubble. I mean, there was a lot of competition for that spot there toward the end. And uh, Tim Patrick made a big impact in 2020. I think if you go back and look at the neutral zones heading into the season, I definitely said Tim Patrick six touchdowns this season. Yeah, I remember that one. Do you remember that one? Yeah. I mean, definitely. Uh, I agree with you, Eric. Last year, Tim Patrick had 16 catches. This year, he had six touchdowns. I mean, uh, the a drastic improvement for him. I mean uh, – 16 catches, six touchdowns, Eric. That's, I made it. Exactly. There's a nice little, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Normally you would do that if like. It was the same number. Catches or like, yeah, the touchdowns were then higher than the, you know, you're like last year he had 218 yards. This year he had six touchdowns. That's not. (laughs) I know it's not. 16, six. Okay. Got it. That's a, that's how I did it there. But yes, uh, I think that he clearly proved that he belongs in the NFL. Like you mentioned, there was questions whether or not he was going to make this team. I think he's clearly proven that he belongs in the NFL. He's very confident in his abilities. He's, he's posted on Twitter already saying, wait until you see what I do next year. To me, Eric, I think that he benefited from Sutton's absence the most because Aside from Judy, there was an opening there, and Tim Patrick took full advantage. He's a big wide receiver, sure-handed. I mean, the catches that he made against the Chiefs in Kansas City, they were huge. And, you know, I think that uh, he uh, he is a guy that the Broncos will want to try and bring back next season. Yeah, and he's a restricted free agent, so much easier to bring him back. You could certainly imagine a second-round tender or something like that being placed on him. Um, but maybe you decide you want to get a, a deal done and keep him here longer. Um, so I will say I think Garrett Bowles had a really nice chance during this one too, but 
uh, he was already a starter, a guy you were at least he was a, a, a featured guy in every game, whereas Tim Patrick was, I think, somewhat obscure even to most Broncos fans. Came out of nowhere. Yeah, I was I was thinking Bulls also for that spot. But when you're a first round pick, when you've started every game of your career at that position, it's harder to make that jump from to to be the most improved player considering where Patrick was coming from to where he was able to get to led the team in touchdowns, a red zone target. I think that uh, if the Broncos are healthy, goodness gracious in the red zone, they could be really dangerous next year. Yeah. They got a lot of talent there. So Eric, let's move on to our next award. Best rookie. Mm. This one's, this one was tough for me, Phil. I guess you get to go first this time if you want to. Okay, um, I said Jerry Judy for this one. And uh, at first I thought, oh, this is going to be close. But when you really dive in and look at it, it's really not close. I think the perception is that maybe Judy did not have a great season because you remember all the drops, especially uh, in that Chargers game at the end of the year. You just think back and say, gosh, they would have won that game if he makes some of those catches. No question about that. But when you look at the numbers, he had 52 receptions, uh, Eric, this season. Six touchdowns. 113 targets. That was the most on the team. You you said that Tim Patrick was Drew Locke's favorite target. It was actually Jerry Judy, which it doesn't – that doesn't quite f- seem right. It doesn't go with – how you feel about him 113 targets that's the most on the team 856 yards three touchdowns eric just three just three touchdowns but i do think that uh you know him and hamler had pretty good rookie seasons but judy uh got it done more consistently he was available for every single game this season and we saw his big play potential against the raiders there where if a safety is a little bit out of position or takes the wrong angle, they're not going to meet him at the sideline. And Judy took off and showed that speed. So I think that uh, Judy was the best rookie on this team. I I did have a number two that might surprise you, but I I thought uh, Jerry Judy was the best rookie. Okay. Um, I viewed this ward relative to expectations because I think that while Judy had the you're making a face like that's not fair to do but I think that's it's weird because the thing said bet who is the best rookie and you're just gonna say oh well actually compared to what I thought in my own head yeah I am um Judy had seven games I believe with fewer than 45 receiving yards he had that stretch where he had four catches over four weeks there were just too many times that I get that the quarterback was an issue at times. I get that he struggled with drops at times, but there were just too many games where he was not a factor where he disappeared. Um, and so to me, that means that he wasn't the, the best rookie. And I, I would say it's interesting. I, I wish we could have seen a full season from Alberto because I really think that he could have been a guy that could have earned that best rookie nod. Um, That's not who you're giving it to. No, I think, I think Lloyd Cushenberry. Ah, so who? Sir Lloyd Cushenberry III. Thank you. Um, he played every single snap. He was named to the Pro Football Writers of America's all-rookie team. He snapped he, every single snap. He, correct. He played every <laughs> single snap, and he snapped, he snapped every, every single, single snap. snap. Yeah. <laughs> Started every, he's one of five center, or one of three centers in the last five years to start every game as a rookie. Um, he improved as the year went on. And I think showed that he can be a, a pretty solid piece there in the interior of the offensive line. That when I look back at this and I say who had a better rookie season, I'm going to say Lloyd had a better rookie season than Jerry Judy did. Mm. Like even just the way you're talking about it, you're like I think that Cushenberry could be a pretty solid player. I think Jerry Judy could be one of the best in the league after what I saw this year if he cleans up some of those drops, Eric, which. To me, yeah, other than that, Miss Lincoln. <laughs> to me, the drops can be corrected. Uh, like Vic Fangio said, we know he can catch the ball. Okay, we know the actual catching the ball is not a problem, Eric. It's just it focus. was a pro- it was a problem. <laughs> it's just focus 
and concentration, Eric. Yeah, that's it. And okay. the hands okay. holding on to the Let ball. Let me ask you this. If I told you at the beginning of the year, 856 yards receiving for Jerry Judy, you would have taken it. If you would have told me his catch uh, totals versus his target totals, I would have said something is seriously wrong. <laughs> Gosh. Well, that's, I think that that's fair. I think well, that Jerry and Drew would, would say the same thing, that you cannot have – Gosh, what is it? 52 receptions on, you said 113? That's not good enough. I, I would have said that. What, okay, what is going well, on there? But it's not definitely just him. No, I agree with that. I agree with that. But as we saw, gosh, I don't want to go on and on go in on him too hard because it was his rookie year and there was no Corlin Sutton, but you could He was pin, the number one. You could pin two losses target. on Jerry Judy. Yes. I agree. You're talking about the Titans game and you're talking about the Chargers game. Yes. Yeah. I agree with that. To me, it's hard to say then that this guy is the, does he have potential? Of course he showed it against. uh, How would you, in what situation would you blame a loss on Cushenberry? Uh, If he just snapped the ball and it like a Steelers situation there. Exactly. In that, in that situation, it was his fault. Okay. Got it. But that's an app. And he, that didn't happen. And therefore he's the best. Yeah, no. Judy Judy obviously has game-breaking talent. We saw it against the Falcons. He had a 100-yard game. We saw it against the Raiders. Um, I believe those were his two 100-yard games this season. But And Phil, we've seen the viral videos of him being open all the time in these amazing routes. He's got the potential. I think you're right that next year he could, especially with Cortland back, be one of the best in the league. But Judy said it at the end of the year that this year didn't live up to his expectations. And so um, – that's why I go with with Kush. Got it. I was going to say my number two was actually going to be Michael Ojemudia. I I thought oh. that uh, he was really thrown into the fire, and for a cornerback um, who's taken in the third round to just be thrown out there, he started eleven games. Eric, he did not have an interception, but he forced four fumbles this year, and the mental side of the game i think that you could say okay he was put into a situation where he was going to sink or he swam there was definitely times where he started to go below water but he always kept kept afloat and i think that that says a lot about his makeup a short tackler which we know that uh, that's important to uh, vic fangio and i think that Ojemudia is going to be a big piece of this defense moving forward in my mind. I do think that the Broncos might go out and take a cornerback with that number nine overall pick, but that's not to replace Ojemudia. That's to play alongside him. You know how like there's those, those life uh, buoys that have like a string attached to them and you like toss them out to someone. Yeah. If Julio Jones tossed one of those out, the roof wouldn't have been long enough. Why would he toss one out to Ojemudia? Well, just trying to be helpful, but he's like too no. far away from him. Julio Jones is not out there trying to do that. And he was out there and he was like, somebody, please throw me one of those. And nobody was around. They all turned, they all turned his back to him. Yeah. So exactly. I will well, say he got burned a couple of times. Uh, I think back to that Steelers game where he had, uh, he gave up a long touchdown and then he had an opportunity to make an interception in the end zone. Uh, did not make that play. But, but I do think just, that catching the ball is not the issue per year. I don't know. Maybe for him, it is an issue. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe that is an issue. Just trying to, I'm just trying to stay on the same page here. Yeah. You know, for Judy, not an issue. I think we maybe underrate the difficulty of stepping in with no off season program and starting every game as the, the brains of the offensive line. And I think oh, Lloyd true. would tell you, he needs, he needs to get stronger. He needs to get more physical to take on some of these, uh, one techniques and three techniques, but I think an off season can help do that being in the gym with Landau, but for him to handle all that mentally, I think was really impressive. In the gym with Landau and Dalala. Exactly. You're just in there every day. I never leave. So (laughs) exactly. Bench press competition, Dalala versus Cushenberry. (laughs) See what happens. Eric, let's get to our next award, and that is Comeback Player of the Year. Mm. Um, this one I don't think is 
particularly close either. But I think you might have a different answer. I don't know. We'll, have to, we'll just see. Um, I think this is a guy, Phil, who could have been defensive player of the year had he stayed healthy. Uh, but I think Bryce Callahan, even in 10 games, showed more than enough to be the comeback player of the year. He was really good in the slot and on the outside, had a couple of interceptions, five pass breakups. Um, he was as good, if not better, than advertised. And, you know, I think there's some questions. Can you depend on him long-term, given his size and his injury history, that he's never finished a season? Those are fair questions. But but when healthy, he's really good and, and kind of saved that Broncos secondary for more than half the season. That's a good pick. I think that Callahan is a good pick. I am concerned about his future in Denver, just with how much he's getting paid and what what that amounts to moving forward. Uh, I went with the Ed Block Courage Award winner here, in, uh, Bradley Chubb. Um, I don't know if you saw this, but Bradley Chubb did make the Pro Bowl this year, uh, Eric. He was crying a lot about it. I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> My um, but uh, just I'm just trying to provide to you a memorable moment so you can be like oh yeah i do are remember you, bradley Chubb that, made the pro bowl are you saying Bryce callahan did not make the pro bowl i don't know correct i understand that um but i expected bradley to come back at that level and i think that oh sorry god i must have not read the directions when we were doing this <laughs> well well and I'll also say like i think even though bradley made the pro bowl this year you could argue it's not it wasn't as good of a season as his rookie year so i think we've seen more from Bradley. And so I think he's on his way back and, and had some really nice games, but I think he would tell you his hopes are higher for, for 2021. Uh, Seven and a half sacks, 19 quarterback hits. So he did not quite get to uh, double figure, double digit uh, sacks there. And uh, I think he, that was a goal that he wanted to hit. And I think that um, not playing those last two games really impacted him. Yes, certainly. Um, yeah, you know, Callahan, Phil, I think when, when he was out, you could you could just see the difference in the secondary. And so that, that interception against Justin Herbert on Mike Williams yeah. there in the corner showed you what Callahan is capable of doing. Yeah. One of the best nickel cornerbacks in the league. He just not Bradley Chubb. I mean, Bradley Chubb tore ACL, did not play last year, came back Pro Bowl. So to me, that's like, oh, he came back and was the comeback player of the year for the Broncos. Bryce Callahan okay. also was injured all of last year. Do you, miss, you remember that? Yeah. Pro he Bowl? Came, came back. <laughs> no. So did Garrett Bowles make the Pro Bowl? Uh, no, he did not make the Pro Bowl. No. So maybe you okay. should, probably shouldn't give him offensive player of the year. Second team all pro. Oh, okay. Did, was Callahan on one of those lists? He's very high in pro football focus, which our friend Ben Swanson loves. Nice. Every nice. night before he goes to sleep, he reads the pro football focus. Actually, I think that he painted the cover mm. of the, the pro illustration. Football yeah, the illustration. That's nice. yeah. yeah. Eric, uh, just a couple of more awards, a couple more zonies to hand out here. Uh, we've selected all of our players on the field performance stuff. Now let's get into just best play of the season. Oh, I think I get to go first here. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, to me, it is KJ Hamler's buzzer beater. Because to me, obviously, you don't get to a situation where you have a buzzer beater in football. Not often that you get that. And it was a culmination of an amazing fourth quarter comeback against a division rival. Uh, so much talk about Justin Herbert, this and that. And then for the Broncos to get back into that game, have a chance to win it on a final play, you deliver that. That, to me, was like the best moment of the season. And it was because of that play. I must not have read the directions. Is this best play or, or best moment? I said it was the best moment, and it was because of that best play. Got it. Got it. Okay. Did you have one? I understand. Um yeah, I mean, I it is KJ's catch there, but it's a little boring to do the same thing okay. that you did. So you you have a you agree with me, but this is your number two, maybe. Uh, yeah, um, I'll say best play. This is not necessarily 
what I think was the most important player, like you're saying, what led to the best moment. I just think best individual effort in a play was probably Callahan's interception against the Chargers. I just the one handed grab. Um, was, it was really impressive, and it did end up leading to that comeback. Uh, but I just thought to, that Mike Williams is six three or six four, and Bryce Callahan is five eight, and he somehow found a way to make that play. To me, that stands out as a really impressive play not necessarily the best moment but best play yeah and he had a nice moment laying on his back there and he he looked to uh williams and was like i got the ball yeah. <laughs> that was pretty cool i would have said uh justin simmons interception against the dolphins that sealed the victory there and he came all the way across the field read uh fitzgerald fitzpatrick's uh eyes and intercepted that ball so i think that you could have said that i think you could have said jerry judy's Long touchdown against the Raiders was a, a top play of the season. Um, so those Fant- those are the other two that I would have thought. Maybe Fant's touchdown against the Bills. Yep. Yeah, that was good. And then I think, you know, talking about Bradley Chubb, his moment against the Jets winning that game was also um, a, a nice play. Even just like a play, just in terms of, like you were mentioning, athletic ability. Fant's uh, little one-handed kind of catch coming across against the Steelers. Uh, it was not a touchdown yep. or anything, but it was a big catch, an amazing catch. He went from the light into the dark, still made that catch into the shadows. Yeah. Eric. That was a, a tremendous athletic ability there. So, but I do think Hamler, the touchdown that he made there a little bit of a, uh, he had to have some good chemistry with Drew Locke in that play because Locke was rolling out and there was probably a second there where he said, okay, is he going to try and run it? Should I drop off? They were both on the same page and it earned the Broncos a victory on a single play. So yeah, that's what I'd say. All right, Eric, on to our next Zony award. (laughs) Toughest loss of the season for the Broncos there's so many to choose from phil i had two that it really came down to in my opinion okay um i'll pick two then as well i would say the titans loss was really really difficult because we went into the season and said you've got to win this game you have to win this game to put yourself on pace uh to compete for the playoffs in the way that you lost where they missed what four kicks and you, you still lose. A ball goes off Judy's hands, an ill-timed fumble by Melvin Gordon. That was one that was just tough to stomach. And then the second one, Phil, that I thought was really bad was the loss at the Raiders. And I know that was not a, a close loss necessarily, but I think, and we'll talk about this, I think there were a couple of close losses where maybe you could be encouraged by some things. That Raiders loss, I mean, it was just, that was the the bottom of drew locks curve you know that that's where things just really got bad he threw four interceptions it was not close there in the second half uh, i think you could argue it was embarrassing um just you understand not being close against the chiefs at times but to have the raiders beat you like that was just difficult to stomach yeah that was by far their worst loss of the season um i i thought that the the number one toughest loss of the year was at Kansas city. Um, I think that they led, they led 10 to nine at halftime. They led 16 to 12 with just three minutes and 50 seconds to go in the third quarter. So if you win that game, Eric, I think that you're feeling pretty good. You went on the road, you beat the chiefs. You got that monkey off of your back. They had won what is it now? 11 consecutive in the matchup. If you get that win on the road, I think that you're just feeling a little bit different. You're, you're saying, okay, this season was not what we wanted, but look, we beat one of the best teams in the NFL and the chiefs. We played some other really good teams in the NFL pretty strongly. And we got that. We got over that hump where we didn't just play a team close. We went in there and we beat them. And the way the defense played in that game, they held all those red zone stops. You just felt like, okay, this was it. But to still lose that game, that one was tough to swallow, I think, in my mind. I know you could look at it the opposite way and just say, well, hey, there were a lot of encouraging signs and this and that. But to me, 
it boils down to wins and losses and to just not be able to get that one. That one really uh, made me uh, the most upset. Um, but I agree, Eric, there's something, and we talked about this during the season too, winning games when the season is still in front of you and there's a lot on the line versus winning meaningless games down the stretch, completely different deal. And that's why that Titans one, you thought maybe things were going to change this season. There's so much hope. Oh, the whole season was in front of them. And if they would have beaten that team, ended up being a playoff team, um, you just thought maybe, okay, this is the division winner in the Titans that it ended up being. There was expectations for the Broncos to win a game like that. And uh, if they could have done that, who knows what would have happened. It would been so close. Bad. Yeah. Yeah, they would have just had just the one more win and nothing else would have changed. I think another one like that, Phil, is Atlanta in week nine where you come back down 21 to beat the Chargers. You get to three and four and you're thinking, hey, if we can just beat – I think the Falcons have won one game at that point. If you can beat a bad Falcons team, you know, you're going to be back at 500 and all of a sudden this 0-3 hole that you started out in is over – You've got some winnable games against the Raiders and Dolphins. Like you can be, you can be in this thing. And I get there were some circumstances with no AJ Boye, no Bryce Callahan in that game, but to go out and lay an egg the way that they did, and they did come back at the end, but they just got, that was tough because that was where, at least in my mind, any playoff hopes were, were gone after that loss. You fall back to three and five and you still got to play the chiefs and the saints and the bills. Like, that's where it ended for me. I um, mean, so, so that's a tough one. Uh, the Broncos picked a bad time to play their worst football of the year. Yeah. It was definitely right then when you could have, if you would have beaten them, you would have played the chiefs the next week and had a chance to, t- uh, sorry, ch- the Raiders the next week, you would have been able to, if you would have won both of those come equal to the Raiders, I believe uh, in the standings. So there was there was something on the line and they just played poorly. So yeah, the, that was a bad time to play bad football. All right, Eric, let's move on to our, our uh, penultimate Zony wow. award here. Best zoomer, best zoomer. Yeah, I think uh, some good options here, but I think it's got to go to Garrett Bowles. Mm. Um, a nice zoomer, if you will. He, uh, he spoke about doing pass blocking drills in the kitchen with his wife. He, he recognized. Drew Locke? That, yeah, exactly. He recognized, he said, I know, you know what I call the quarterback, which is my wife. And he leaned into that a little bit, which I, I enjoyed. Um, and he was, he was very open, very honest. I think just what well, Justin Simmons won the, uh, Darren, the Darren Williams, good guy award, but I thought Garrett Bowles would have been a really nice selection for that as well. See, there's, there's a lot to consider here you, mm. because like Justin Simmons, he'll talk about anything. You can ask him anything in a normal season. He's always available to the media, even after like a loss, other guys might be a little grumpy after the loss. Justin Simmons, always willing to talk this year is a little different because, you know, they just brought a PR, just brought a person to the zoom and then you fired away. There was no real control there from the media's perspective. So then you're saying, okay, who gave nice answers? Who, who gave some insight on the team? Who, who is real? To me, I went with Tim Patrick here just because mm. uh, Tim dropped uh, a couple of curse words uh, while he was on the Zoom, kept things a little too real. Eric, if you ask me, I thought that he was too real. Wow. When keeping it real goes wrong, Eric. I thought that uh, I thought Tim Patrick was good there. He, you know, you could always count on him. Like for example, uh, I think at one point he said, "Wait until you see what I got in store for the Raiders this final game." You know, things like that where you're like, "This is personal." He 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 didn't like sugarcoat anything or just sort of make it. You know, he didn't try to just like give you what you wanted to hear. He kept it real. Yeah, I think there was one. Um press conference maybe before the first Chiefs game where somebody said like what does their defense do that causes well, problems yeah and he just like looked at the camera and said I'm not answering that and yeah. like got up and walked away 
I like that. Yeah. I like He's that. a little spicy. Very spicy. Yeah. So I like I like to magic. Who are some other people you thought maybe uh, who else could have been been up for that? Mm. Like if you wanted to say like from a team perspective, one of the best zoomers without a doubt is Pat Shermer because he don't really give you anything. Yeah. Yet he oh, answers all the yeah, like like he doesn't say anything, but he answers all the questions. You know what I mean? Like like if an opposing team was like, let's see what the Broncos are saying. I wanna like uh let's listen, maybe we get some bulletin board material. You're not getting that from Pat Shermer. I thought there was a nice uh, Zoom moment when Tom McMahon was asked about Brandon McManus's uh, comments about like hashtag don't silence the players. And Tom spoke in third person and said like, maybe they're playing a joke on Tom. I've never even heard of Twitter. Uh, that was a good one. Uh, Tom McMahon also kept things a little too real about McManus's replacement. <laughs> yeah. Whose name you don't know. Do you? Uh, it was definitely Italian. I'll tell you yeah. that. Okay. What was his name? You want, you want me to give you his first name and see if he can get just the second? Give, no, just give him. Okay, give Taylor Russellino. Russellino, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he said Russellino was terrible. He was awful. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. He he did not mix his words right there. No. Do you say mix his words? Mince. Mince. Okay. Yeah, just, mince. Just check. Mince. Okay. Uh, that kind of hurt both of our feelings, Eric, as Italians. As paisans, yeah. Yeah, exactly. We were like, whoa, McMahon, let's... Yeah, let's dial it down. Let's, let's dial it down here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I can't really think of any other particularly great moments. No. I McMahon, mean, of course, good. Judy has had some uh, moments because of the drops where he, you know, I think it was after that week one game where someone said, what will you remember? And he just said the drop. Yeah. And that was it. I think on Twitter, I gave Jerry Judy some credit for, for facing some You music. did. Yeah. yeah. And you were like... Yeah. That's really a good take, Phil. Like smart. Yeah, but it won't uh, won't be your best take, which I think is the last category, right? Oh, okay. Yeah, are you ready for that? I think so. Okay, let's get to our final Zony Award best take between Eric and me. Uh, Phil, I think this one for you is very obvious. It was that. Uh, must have been after the Raiders game. You said that there would be no repercussions in any way, that there was no problem if the team benched Drew Locke. And judging by the outpouring of angry comments on YouTube, on Twitter, that was probably your uh, hottest take of the season. Thank you very much. I still stand by that. <laughs> yeah, it's like, wrong. It's still wrong, but I'm yeah. glad you still stand by it. I still stand by that because I do think that at that point in the year, like we mentioned just a few minutes ago, there was still some season left to play, maybe a chance to make the playoffs, maybe. And if a player is not playing well, I think that it's okay to just say, hey, let's uh, get a different perspective here. I still think that it would have been fine. So you want, you want George Payton to come in and evaluate Brett Rippon's film? Is that what we're saying? Oh, are you saying that, oh, um, he looked at the entire body of work, but if he missed a couple of, uh, maybe he, he didn't start one game, he would have been like, now I have no idea what I'm looking at. Like, gosh, if there was just one more start here, I'd be able to have a definitive answer. He missed plenty of starts. He had a, a shoulder injury, then he had the COVID issue. Um, so. I think the only argument is – this whole season was just to get Drew Locke reps because we're building for the future with him. We, it's not, Oh, well, we want to see what we got here. I think it's look, we just think that this kid is building, he's growing, he's learning, he's improving. And to Vic Fangio's credit, we did see that with Drew. He did get better at the end of the season, made less mistakes, took what the opposing defense was giving him rather than forcing it too much. I think we saw some growth there and that came because he played. And I think that they had a strategy and they stuck to it. Whereas maybe if I were running the show, Eric, I wouldn't have done that. Yeah. Eric, well, I'm trying to think about some of your hottest takes. Well, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm drawing a blank here. What, what's something that you and I really argued about this year? Um, Locke. 
Judy at times. Yeah, I think um, that my takes are normally like correct, so it's hard for you to maybe. Well, can you just give me one where we just disagreed on that you thought that you were correct on? Because I just really. Mm. That's I'm okay. Trying. You can wait till like it's the most. Next. It's probably I probably don't remember any of them because you don't really have a ton of like spice. Oh, yeah, you know. Yeah, that's true. You you like to use like maybe just a few peppercorns and you just maybe one turn and then Got it. that's enough seasoning for you. Yeah. Whereas I'm adding some cayenne, pepper flakes, you know, I got some yeah. oregano in there. Wow. A lot of salt, Eric. We know that. Yeah. I do think your take probably on, I think I, I the one thing I do remember is you at one point said something along the lines of, uh, I can't believe Justin Herbert's getting all this hype. Mm. And, and you were like, it's just, it's because Drew Locke plays in Denver. That's why he's not getting the attention. Yeah, I think that's you, true. I think you did say that at one point. Yeah, I stand by that too. <laughs> I was just trying to give you an opportunity here to. Uh, if Justin Herbert wins rookie of the year over, over Justin Jefferson, it's just, a, then just stop calling it's a it. quarterback award. Stop calling it rookie of the year. Yeah, Justin, Justin Jefferson, Jefferson set a record and is an all pro at 1,400 yards, and they're going to give it to a guy that went like 6-10. and 10. Uh, Bo Payton, son of George Payton, was mm-hmm. sad to say goodbye to Justin Jefferson. Yeah, he I, probably doesn't even know who Justin Herbert is. <laughs> no, but I, mean, I am serious. If you're just going to give it to a quarterback, like the best quarterback, even when there's – I do understand that you have to have like a generational performer – at another position to have it be that guy. But that's what you have this year with Justin Jefferson. And if if you're just going to give it to Herbert anyway, then just stop calling it rookie of the year. What if we did it along the Dalala scale, which is only relative to expectation? You know, not just yeah. like not just output, but in relation to your personal expectation. Yeah. Would Justin you say Jefferson Je- would be even higher? Got it. Okay. So you were not expecting that from Justin Jefferson. I mean, if you expect that from Justin Jefferson, wouldn't he have been not the fifth wide receiver taken? That's true. Yeah. That's true. There were a lot of good wide receivers in this in this draft, obviously. Um, situational things matter, though. You know, when when you got a, a strong offense and who's calling the plays, who, or who was calling the plays there in Minnesota? Gary Kubiak. Papa Kubiak. Yeah. And Kirk Cousins is the quarterback. Kirk? Kirk. Got it. Cousins. There's a lot going well for Justin Jefferson there. Not not saying that, hey, the, not taking anything away from him because he did have an, an amazing season. But it's kind of like Chase Claypool in, in, uh, with the Steelers. He had a ton of touchdowns. But it's like, yeah, you're playing on a really good offense, you know. I think isn't, that isn't it a really good offense because well I was going to say Justin Herbert coming in yeah he had a lot of weapons there but he's directing all of the traffic you know what I mean like the ball is in his hands every play it's yeah. the hardest most important position to learn as a rookie coming in I mean I, yeah. I don't think that it's black and white like you're like you do got it so you're saying that the six and nine record is entirely on Justin Herbert Six and nine, Eric? Yeah. I mean, some of it's on him. Some of it's on him. I mean, is that nice or no? He he didn't uh, he didn't blow that lead against the Broncos. Although I guess if he would have held on to the ball a little bit longer, yeah, maybe he scored some he more points. Yeah. 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 But you know, he's taken over for Philip Rivers. I'm not sure if you ever heard of him. Announced his retirement today, Eric. I have. I have heard of him. That's essentially like taking over for a franchise, all world talent, a guy who's been there forever. Insert Justin Herbert, pretty big shoes to fill as a rookie coming in. So you mean like if Justin Jefferson had to replace like an all pro or pro bowler and Stefan Diggs? Diggs? You, so you would say, like you would say Stefan Diggs to Minnesota equals Phillip Rivers to Chargers. Uh, they've got the same number of Super Bowl wins, right? Oh my! Oh wow! Blasphemy! Stephon Diggs at least I think won a playoff game for Minnesota, didn't he? Yeah, Philip Rivers played in an AFC Championship game without an ACL. 
yeah, how'd it go? They lost. I don't need the I don't need the Philip Rivers love right now, Phil. I'm not, I'm just saying that he meant a lot to that organization. And then you insert Justin Herbert. There's a lot of pressure on his shoulders there to just come in and sure. A lot of pressure on, on Justin Jefferson to come in and replace Stefan Diggs. I don't think it's as black and white as you do. What 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 can a non-quarterback do then to win and uh, yeah. win offensive rookie of the year? What what can they do if not what Justin Jefferson did? That's true. I mean, I mean, I don't know. It's it's just so happened that it happened the like same he, season as Justin Herbert's amazing rookie season too. Justin Jefferson was an All Pro. I mean, yeah. he was among the best receivers of any age. Yeah. Justin Herbert was not among the best quarterbacks of any age. I think that has to. Yeah, but it's a quarterback. It's a quarterback league. <sighs> Makes me so annoyed. Okay. Yeah. But I, I agree. I think Justin Jefferson deserves that award. Yeah. And he won't win it, but that's okay. Eric, any shout outs to get to here as we well, wrap up the zonies? Probably should shout out uh, Ben Swanson, I think. I'd took, give him a zony. Took a little. Yeah, exactly. Maybe like a magazoni to read as he's uh, sitting, waiting to get into the botanic garden. Mm-hmm. Gonna be nice. Sometimes when you're like sitting out in a meadow and you've been painting all day, you want to take a break. It's nice to have a magazoni. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Any other ones? I'd, I'd probably give a zoni to Liz Manis, probably. Oh, nice. Yeah, in the community, she did a lot yeah. of zooms. Best zoom starter, probably. Yeah. She like, for example, uh, you never have to sit in the waiting room. She no. Im- immediately admit. Yeah. It's very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Just kidding, though. Uh, obviously, she does a lot of work in the community. Liz, th- this whole thing was Eric's idea. Sorry. It's weird because you said it. <laughs> if you were to give like a zoni to a community, uh, like in a community award for a zoni, who would that uh-huh. be? Probably Justin Simmons. Huh? Yeah, I think so. That's kind of like the Walter Payton. Maybe. Yeah, I think that's kind of what that is. Really? Nice. Nice. What do you think the Ed Block Courage there, Award is? Yeah, what if there was a zoni for like being courageous? What would that be? That is Comeback Player of the Year. That is what that is. That's why I, I tried to get you caught up in your own web. Oh. Yeah. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. All right, Eric. I think that that probably wraps things up here, huh? Yeah. So now we never talk about the 2020 season again. Is that how that works? That's a wrap on the 2020 season. We are moving forward, Eric. Before you know it, we'll be talking all about the draft. Yeah, and 35 points a game. Oh, let me get your picks this weekend here. Uh, In the championship round of the playoffs, we got uh, the Packers hosting Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Who are you liking that one? Um, Oof. It scares me, Phil, because I think the Packers are a better team, but it's just you don't bet, betting against yeah. Tom Brady is really, really hard. But I'll say the Packers. I think they find a way to get it done in a first, close one. First time Aaron Rodgers is playing an NFC Championship game at home. Yeah. That's crazy he, to me. He really hasn't played in that many of them at all. I don't think this might be his third. Um, yeah, because they lost that heartbreaker against the Seahawks. Yeah, in Seattle. Yeah. Or maybe, maybe it's his fourth because they did play in it last year in San Francisco. Yeah, played last year in San Francisco, and I forget when they won the Super Bowl. I forgot who they beat in the in the championship, but it was not at home. No, not at home. Uh, has Has Tom Brady won an AFC or excuse me, just a conference championship on the road? I uh, that's a good question. He's lost two in Denver. Yeah, and he lost one in Indianapolis. That's a good question. I don't know. Because you just think all those games they played at home. So Yeah. And I you know, I don't think he's undefeated at home. I would assume someone's beaten him there, but I, uh, I, I Baltimore beat beat him yeah. there. Um maybe they're maybe like one of their first it. ones was on the road. I don't know. Um but yeah, I think the Packers can get it done in a close one. Yeah, maybe after they beat the Raiders, I don't know, uh, with a tuck rule. Maybe that was that was maybe the divisional they, round, I think. Yeah, I'm saying then maybe they went on the road after that. You make your pick. I'll, fig- I'll figure it out. Okay, yeah, you look that up. Okay, I'm also taking the Packers. I think that uh, uh, 
Aaron Rodgers gets over the hump, they go back to the Super Bowl. I think they've been the best team in the NFC all year long. And uh, I think that they find a way to get it done. Um, what Aaron Rodgers has been doing this year is amazing. I mean, he's got Devontae Adams, but outside of that, he's making the other playmakers there look really good uh, in Green Bay. So I like I like the Packers as well. On the other side, Eric, this, this might be the game of the year, in my opinion. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs hosting Buffalo Bills. The Broncos played both of these teams this year. I think that this is – I'm really looking forward to watching this one. Yeah. Um, I will say, just to jump back for a second, Brady has won three road AFC championships. Was one of them that first one? Uh, yeah, they in 2001 and 2004, they beat the Steelers at Heinz Field. And then uh, two years ago when they beat the Rams in the Super Bowl, they won in Kansas City, of course, in that overtime oh, yeah. game. That's right. I think um, we watched that game together. I was in, I was in this yeah. living room right there. Yeah. Um, different times. Good memories. Phil, I think the Bills are going to win. Really, me too. Yeah, and maybe it's just me hoping that uh, <laughs> yeah. this is just done in Kansas City, but I think Josh Allen is playing well. I think they got some of the jitters out maybe from playing like the Colts and the Ravens. They got some good momentum. It's going to be – they're going to have to win a high-scoring game, but the Chiefs just haven't – I think I saw something. The Chiefs have not scored more than 22 points in their last five home games or something like that. Mm. They're, not, they're not clicking as well as you would expect. Yeah, I mean – if you think about the Browns coming in there, if they don't have that fumble out the back of the end zone, who knows what would have happened in that game? I mean, it really seemed like the Browns were a more physical team. They were, they, and once Mahomes left that game, I really thought the Browns were going to win. Um, but I agree with you. The Bills haven't quite looked as sharp as I thought that they would too, considering the way they finished the regular season. Um the Colts almost beat him there. And then Lamar Jackson, he doesn't throw that pick six there. Maybe you're talking about a different story too. So uh, I think, but I do think that the bills overall really a strong team. And I know Jordan Poyer a little bit covered him in college. So wow. I have some rooting interest. I was at his pro day. Eric. Matt, Matt Poyer. No, Jordan Poyer, Astoria, Oregon's finest. I did see a picture the other day in Astoria, Oregon, which is where they shot the Goonies. Eric, mm. That came out probably about 50 years before you were born. Yeah. Um, they had like a huge like uh, soda display at a grocery store where they had it all like it's spelled out Poyer in the grocery store in, in Astoria. So. Wow. That's a, that's a great Astoria. <laughs> You're welcome. Astoria, right there on the coast there in Oregon. So I, I would like to see Jordan Poyer do well, but um, I don't know if, do you feel like this, Eric, when you watch those games? I feel like when I watch the NFC playoffs, I'm just enjoying the game. I'm like, I can relax a little bit and I'm just like hoping for a good game. When I watch the AFC side though, I'm like, I hate all of these teams. <laughs> I do think there's a, a sense of when you watch the NFC that it feels like so distant and like far away and that nothing that happens there like impacts us at all just because yeah. you, you play them so rarely um, every four years. It just is different. But yeah. I also I also think like I'm way more invested in like a, a uh, like a Cleveland Pittsburgh wild card game or like a Buffalo Indianapolis or or Baltimore, Tennessee, I'm way more invested in those wild card games than I am in like a, a Tampa, Washington. I just, I don't, yes. that's not as intriguing to me. Yeah. I'm just watching like, like that uh, Saints and Bucks game. I just sat back and watched that and relaxed. Yeah. But when I'm watching the Browns play the chiefs, every play, I'm sort of like, ah, you know, I'm, I'm way more invested in it. That being said, we have a lot of friends who work all across the NFL that we know who work for these teams. So you got a little bit of an attachment there, but just as a, of a pure fandom, the AFC, like I, if it was possible, I wish none of those teams went to the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I'm like, I don't want you to experience joy. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. All right. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us. Hopefully you enjoyed the zonies. Let us know if you agree with our picks or if you think that we're both pretty stupid. Uh, just let us know what you think. Send in an email. Uh, Bill in Oregon, I know that he's going to be sending some emails. We love it. Let me know what you think about Jordan Poyer, Bill. <laughs> okay. Uh, Oregon State's own Jordan Poyer. Uh, Eric, uh, you could leave uh, an email. How do you do that? Neutralzoneshow at gmail.com. Neutralzoneshow at gmail.com. You could also call in and leave a voicemail, 707neutral. You can just blast us directly on Twitter, at Eric Delala with an A, at Phil Milani with a PH. Non-traditional spellings there. And you could also just leave a YouTube comment. The YouTube videos have been doing pretty well. Hey, uh. Yeah. Smash that subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's how you can get in touch and be a part of the program. So Eric, with that, we'll say goodbye. We'll be back next week with another great edition of the show. Until then, for Eric Daw, I'm Phil Milani. You've been listening to The Natural Zone. This is Bronco Batman. And you're listening to The Neutral Zone.